It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Hour number two of a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Slate, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, of course. It's Gil Alexander. Uh, so fun going through the NFL schedule, all the little quirks involved in it. Uh, NHL series prices, the real ones or the actual ones in the markets versus Andy McNeil's projections in the first hour. Crackman standing by, Bill Krakenberger, uh, to join us here in, in a couple minutes, unscripted with the crack. Uh, but we get tweets at Beating the Book. I was mentioning earlier, and thank you to Greg V for passing this along. I was mentioning earlier that we were going through the uh, the schedules team by team last night on the fly on primetime action on MSG Plus with my buddy Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin. Danielle was uh, under the weather last night. She couldn't join us. Hope she's okay to rejoin us tonight. But Peter Schrager uh, put that whole quirkiness that I that I noticed in the Washington schedule in historical context. And once again, Washington's last five games are all division games. Five out of their six entire division schedules the last five weeks of the season. And it features the very quirky, never-before-seen Cowboys-Eagles-Cowboys-Eagles thing. That, that's unprecedented. Usually once in a while you'll see a team, oh, wow, they play the same team twice in three weeks. It happens that, the Reds, <laughs> that Washington plays the same two teams twice in a four-week span. Cowboys-Eagles-Cowboys-Eagles. Um, but Peter Schrager adds another quirky scheduling factoid. Um, their final five games against NFC East opponents is the first time any team has closed with such a stretch since the NFL expanded to 32 teams and the eight-division format in 2002. Has never happened before. I thought there were some NFC South teams that had a similar stretch, but never quite like that. So if you're Washington and you – I'm, I'm just going to – you know, we're spitballing here. But remember, that division is – not the greatest, and is one with a pretty modest record. Now we have 17 games. But let's say Washington, just hypothetically, were 5-7 and seven going into the final five games of the season. They would probably still be mathematically alive in that division. You know, if, if Dallas or somebody else hasn't just run away with it. Because if you've got five division games there down the stretch, be like, yeah, well, yeah, but if they run the table, they're going to sweep two teams. I mean, how, how ridiculous is that? They'll sweep two teams if they do that. So they would just have all tiebreakers, and they would. It's just a fascinating quirk. Dom Ricci. Oh, let's not forget the mind-boggling dressing rooms versus locker rooms discussion. Uh, that also is a quirk between the two leagues. Uh, Willie Parker. Here's a better one about the Maple Leafs. I had mentioned the Maple Leafs hadn't won a cup in 54 years. The Leafs have not won a playoff series since 2004. And uh, Sean. Sean Villapier adds the Rangers won their cup in 1994, also after a 54-year drought. So this would be the exact same thing uh, if the Leafs were to get it done this year. Same exact uh, amount of years for the drought. Um, Okay, so um, NBA, because we learned some things in the NBA last night, and there's still a whole bunch more unsettled. But let's just go through that. And again, the, the NBA schedule, there's a lot of games in the NBA tonight. There's a lot with implications. Are they bettable pre-flop? Well, I'll just tell you, I'm not betting them. Uh, because there's just these, you just have to wait. At least I'm not betting them now. On primetime action, we let you know what we bet, because then we know who's playing and who's not. When you say, well, what do you mean? Aren't, aren't teams playing everybody right now? Nah, not even close. I mean, the Lakers literally in the West, it's been fascinating because you just, with the Lakers, you're like, well, they're punting. LeBron didn't play again last night. AD didn't play. So you figure, well, they're, they're content playing in a play-in game. It's more important, one would surmise, for the Lakers to get those two guys completely healthy 
for a play-in game rather than mess with them now and try to get to a sixth seed. At least that appeared to be the Lakers' strategy. Lakers still managed to beat the Rockets. Rockets sat some guys, too, right? So it's Lakers, for lack of a better term, scrubs versus Rockets scrubs. But the Lakers ended up winning by two. That's unfair, but you get the idea. So now the Lakers are still in this in terms of an opportunity to get to the sixth seed and to avoid the play-in situation. So we'll start with what we did learn last night, and that was primarily in the East. Because the Celtics lost again, this time to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And keep in mind, that was a big win for Cavaliers over betters on season win totals because that gets them to their 22nd win of the year. Their preflop season win total was 22.5. So for all the talk about OKC losing 22 of 23 since the 20-27 and 27 record, and their preflop uh, season win total was 22.5, they're 21-49. and 49. Cleveland almost did the same thing. They had lost 11 in a row. They win now, and they're just one win shy of their season win total. But back to Boston. So Boston loses this game, and so now that's it. Boston's in the play-in, and what that does is clinch playoff berths. By the way, Atlanta beating Washington last night. Atlanta clinches a playoff berth. Playoff defined seeds one through six, by the way. Gil Alexander on a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo Sling, Game Plus at iHeartRadio talking NBA playoff scenarios and what we've learned and what we don't know yet. So in the East, we know now who the, who the top six teams are going to be. We still don't know seedings, right? Sixers probably will be the first seed. We still don't know quite yet, though. Uh, but we do know, and again, with the Nets, you know, and the, and the Bucks jockeying for position with two and three also. But we now know the four, five, and six teams in whatever order are going to be the Hawks, the Heat, and the Knicks. And if it's a three-way tie... The Hawks will get it because they won their division. Follow me here. That's a tiebreaker. If it ends up being Knicks and Hawks tied, the Knicks would get in ahead of the Hawks. Not get in, but they would be seated ahead of the Hawks because they swept the Hawks. If it's the Knicks and the Heat in a two-way tie, the Heat would get the better seed than the Knicks because the Heat swept the Knicks. But three-way tie would go Hawks, Heat, Knicks, four, five, six. In that order. Follow all that? All we do know is, though, the Celtics now are locked into a play-in. The Hornets, Pacers, and Wizards all jockeying for position at the bottom of the Eastern Conference play-in situation. But by the way, Boston not guaranteed a, uh, a seventh. Boston's still in jeopardy of falling to ninth. And the way they're playing, they might very well. So Boston at 35 and 35, Charlotte 33 and 36, Indiana 33 and 36. By the way, the Wizards 32 and 38 have not clinched to play in position. Their loss to the Hawks means Chicago still alive. Washington would have to lose out their final two. Chicago would have to win out their final three for the Wiz to get knocked out. My uh, 10 seed to make the playoffs, playoffs defined as one through eight in that particular prop. Still very much looking good if it was the Wizards that I was banking on being 10 and so far so good there because it was. But again, in the West, we don't know now. The Lakers strategy, and we'll go to crack here, but the Lakers strategy is going to be fascinating because right now they're 7th and they'd have to play a play-in. Could be against the Warriors, could be against the Grizzlies. One game in the loss column behind Portland and Dallas, like we have the same discussion about the Lakers every morning. We don't know what their strategy is. And last night they're like, yeah, we're not going to play LeBron or AD. And, of course, they were playing the Rockets. They still managed to win. But if you're the Lakers, what should you do? Should you care about getting to six? The instinct would be, yeah, because then you avoid the plan. But I don't know. Seems like they just want those two guys to be healthy, and they'll take on the Warriors or Grizzlies without too much uh, fear, I would imagine. 
fascinating end to the NBA season. But no pre-flop bets tonight yet because, again, got to check lineups in this year. That's for sure. Let's bring him in, Unscripted with the Crack Man, ladies and gentlemen. Also the co-host of the Unscripted with Crack podcast that he does with his buddy John Orlando. It's Bill Crackenberger. Sorry about the delay, Bill, but I had to get through. Uh, there's a lot going on with schedules and scenarios and that kind of thing. So I wanted to get that straight. How you doing, man? Oh, yeah, no. Good, good. No, the NBA every night, you can see the – usually they have overnight lines, but now the last uh... – you know, a week or so, or more, even more, they uh, are waiting till the next day. Just like you said, lineups and uh, a whole plethora of things uh, in the mix here, especially uh, must wins or whatever, you know, resting players for sure. But um, yeah, no, I'm actually, uh, I, I actually enjoy, you know, when, when it counts, playoff sides and playoff time, even, even uh, like, you know, NFL, believe it or not, I always like say, ah, I don't like NFL, but. NFL, when it comes to playoffs and stuff, I always like watching that. So same thing with the NBA. It gets down to the the, serum, the more serious time, and, uh, you know, you want to you wanna see what happens when it's real. I'm not really an NBA fan. I try not to even watch the sport, but I know it's uh, – it, you know why? It's very hard to be like, – like NFL. I say NFL sides, picking a side in the NFL is number one hardest thing to beat. And NBA picking sides in the NBA, very hard to beat. So I kind of stay away from stuff that's uh, – not beatable a long run now i do know there are certain situations and certain years people do beat nfl and nba sides but uh more of the totals and proposition bets that that type of stuff is uh is more beatable so um do you have any futures uh gil are you rooting for anything to, to happen here for the the finals or anything i got nothing in the nba nothing the nba is probably the sport i bet the least not that i don't bet it right i do yeah, on, on given nights exactly and i typically will have a future or two but uh, I do not this year, quite frankly. I'm too uh, focused on other sports. But, you know, the biggest thing about the NBA, and I will, by the way, I'll have series bets for sure come postseason. Um, but the biggest thing about the NBA, and that's why when I'm going through the scenarios I try to impart is, you know, we as bettors and we as fans, we assume that teams' motivations are aligned with what, what we think they ought to be. And the biggest theme that I could say, and obviously I've, I've done the Tankapalooza thing here for years on, on a numbers game, and people are kind of, now everybody, you know, follows the tanking teams. In 2018, it was a boon. But with seeding now, like that was what I was really trying to focus in on. You know, we, people have bets on which team's going to win the Pacific Division. We still don't know if Phoenix or the Clippers are going to win the Pacific Division. And we even wondered, do teams even think about division titles anymore? Probably not. Maybe Maybe not. Seeding. Do, does a team like, you know, uh, the Clippers care where they end up seeding-wise? Well, yeah, I guess if they had to avoid the Lakers, they do. But generally speaking, like, do the Nets and the Bucks? that's a great example, a 2-3, assuming Philly gets one, which is not uh, clinched yet. But I think Philly, uh, I think we all would assume that Philly will get number one in the end. But, like, do the Nets and the Bucks care if they end up 2-3? and three? Uh, I, don't, I doubt it. The Lakers have shown, like we all would assume, the Lakers are the best example. We all assume the Lakers would want to avoid a play-in game or two. Remember, if they lost the 7-8, they would still get one more chance at beating the winner of 9-10. But they clearly do have not, at least to this moment, prioritized it. And now it's still tantalizing with two games left that they could get out of it. And you just wonder, you're like, I don't know. Are they going to play LeBron the last two games? Uh, they keep saying they will. I'm not so sure. So it's just from a handicapping standpoint, 
it's this whole conundrum because you're trying to guess along with what the team cares about. And so that's the biggest thing from a handicapping standpoint. It's like, don't just assume that these teams care in the way you would think they do. Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a You mentioned the podcast, so I want to mention. Yes. Uh, we filmed two episodes yesterday. So uh, the one, the, the one we have on right now, I just I just tweeted it, is uh, Michael Moore, heavyweight champion Michael oh, Moore. Yes. Who, who, who beat uh, Evander Holyfield for the uh, championship. He beat Evander Holyfield and won the heavyweight title and then went on to the, I think he defended it twice, but then he went on to uh, fight George Foreman. Yes, I remember and, that night. You know, I remember that. It's funny you say, I told Michael, I said, Michael, you're not going to believe it. I was uh, dating my wife, you know, 28 years, whatever it was. I think it was 94, 94. And, um, we went, we went to go to a – back then, it wasn't like it is now. There was no pay-per-view. So you had to go to, like, a bar or a restaurant, and it was um, – oh, I forget the word they used. Oh, boy. But anyway, you, you paid so much money to go in and, and see the fight uh, on a big screen or on big screens around the restaurants or bars. And I remember that night watching that fight. And at that time, I didn't know Teddy Atlas, um, which I've known for about 20 years, but not, not, not uh, 20 – you know, 27 or 28 years ago when it was. And that night I remember watching that fight and I said, wow, Moore has this at hand. You know, I was, I was rooting for big George, you know, you wanted him to win again. He was 45 years old. He would have been the ex, uh, the, the next um, champion of the world, the heavyweight champ, but the only one that at that age, of course, come back after all those years after, you know, the, the, the fights in, in, uh, with Ali and, you know, the big, the big times back then. So I remember, uh, literally, all he had to do was stay away from me. He was ahead on all That's cards. Right. Yes. Just stay away from him. He was way ahead, and uh, he allowed that. I think it was a short right. George had those little short rights, if I don't believe right. And uh, yeah, he knocked him out, and George just stood there. I think George was as shocked as us. Well, let me. I mean, here's my only recollection of that night, and I only have one right. recollection. And, and you're right, you, you contextualized it perfectly. For, for those not of a certain age, like George Foreman, those, the, you know, his, his prime, if you will, his heyday, you just mentioned it, the fight in Zaire where he got rope-a-doped by Ali. You and I were too young to, sure. to have remembered that fight. But then he retired, right? He went away, and then when we were of conscious age, here's this old dude, George Foreman, right, in his 40s, who comes back to fight. And you're like... What is this? But his punching power was still like old man strength punching power. And only Ernie Shavers is considered to have greater punching power than George Foreman in the history of heavyweight boxing. And so this was 1994. Foreman is fighting for, and I just checked on, on, uh, on uh, my computer, WBA, IBF, and uh, lineal heavyweight championship. So this was like the, the lineal championship. This was the guy, as, as Riddick Bo famous said, the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy, right? Michael Moore. And wow. here comes 45-year-old George Foreman. <laughs> and he knocks out Michael Moore. And I'll never forget the only thing I remember, Jim Lampley's call. Jim Lampley simply goes, it happened. It happened. And that was one of the great calls I remember in boxing history. Not one of the ones that is iconic, but I'll never forget that call. That, and that was perfection. It happened. It happened. We couldn't believe it. And George Foreman, at the age of 45, became the heavyweight champion of the world yet again. What a moment. Do you remember was. him just standing there? That yes. That face he had? Yes. That, and, uh, and, you're, and everyone was really rooting for Big George. 
Um, uh, you know, but it just was so cool to see him. And he's a different George Foreman than he was when he was a younger George Foreman. He was just an animal. He was actually hated, too. He was. He was, he, he was hated. But now you see Big George, you know, you're selling those little toaster ovens, whatever you I mean, smiling away. Yeah. $250 million in the bank. Well, yeah, I, so. I would love to listen to that podcast. So Michael Moore, I mean, I, his recollection of it is obviously from his perspective must be fascinating. But that was the thing in Foreman's comeback. It wasn't just against Moore where he appeared shocked. But every time he would, like, knock out a gas can before the run-up to the Moore fight, he would literally, in the middle of the fight, talk to the ref and say, could you please stop this? I'm about to kill, I'm about to kill this guy. That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, you know. He was very blunt. He was, I'll tell you, it was one of the most candid interviews I've ever done. He was very, very open. Uh, he admits to, uh, listen, he fought, I think he fought Holyfield again. He fought, he fought some really good fights. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then he, uh, he fought some big money fights is what I'm trying to say. You know, he won the heavyweight championship three different times. People yeah. don't realize that. He won it three different times, made himself over 40 million, upwards of $50 million, and candidly said, he doesn't have a dollar today. That's Moore said that? Uh, Moore said it on the podcast. Wow. He said, I'm dead broke. I'm dead broke. Why? And Why? He, he, he literally has to uh, uh, month to month. Um, oh. It's it's sad to think about what he said. To me. What, what did he? Why did he say uh, he that? He literally month to month has to get people to pay his rent for him. Or, but why, or, Bill? Know, why did he end up like that? Well, he said something I didn't know. He said the promoters back then took, uh, your promoter took 33%. Because there wasn't the pay-per-view and stuff. I didn't realize that. 33%. Your boxing manager took 25%. Your trainer gets 10%. Now, I only thought the trainer gets 10 and the manager gets 10. I wasn't thinking that's the way maybe it is now. But back then, like he said, he made $10 million in one fight. And he walked away with, you know, just over a million dollars after taxes. I mean, literally, you know, you're getting 10% of your purse. Now, granted, a million dollars in the 90s. You know, that's, you know, the rule of seven, that's, that's, that's a lot, you know, it's five, six million to eight million today. Um, you know, more, more than that, actually. Um, but uh, I'm talking about, you know, take home money. So he, he literally um, had the wrong people around him, made the wrong choices, had an entourage around him. And um, yeah, in the end, uh, yeah. I'm not going to go there. But I, I know in the end, I, I know someone he borrowed money off of in the end. I mean, in the end, but he's very blunt about it. He's yeah. very blunt. He's very candid, and it made me sad. Yeah, he it made me sad that this guy made all this money, and he has no money at all. He said it. He says, I have no money, Bill. I mean, he just says, you know, and, and there should be a pension or something like an NBA or, 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 or NFL. There should be some kind of a pension where these promoters like Don King uh, and, and, and you know, the main event, top rank, you know, it, it, these guys walk away. Uh, you know, Bob Arum, I think, just walked away with like seven hundred million dollars. I mean, so it's not fair that you got a guy like Bob Arum who's making all the money from these guys uh, has seven hundred million. And you have a guy trying to borrow money here that was the heavyweight champion for years. I'm totally listening, Bill. That's awesome. Uh, Michael Moore, who always seemed like a really good dude, too, being as honest as he was, former heavyweight champion uh, It's with John Orlando and Bill Krakenberger. It's called Wisecracks, wherever podcasts are distributed. And think about when we were just talking about that fight, and that's not even like Hagler Hearns or Leonard Hearns or Ali Foreman. We were just talking about a Moore or Foreman fight, and, and I was just getting animated thinking about how great boxing used to be. And now, Bill, we got... Logan Paul against Floyd Mayweather. I mean, that's what it is. That's what the sport has become. But yet, we're betters. Do you anticipate betting a fight like that? 
I'm not only will I not bet it, I won't even I won't even watch it. I won't even watch the circus. I just won't watch it. Uh, you know, listen, I did watch the last one because uh, I did bet a lot of money on that one. I thought I had the right thing. I see some. We talked about it. We had great a great uh, tweet on it that was put up by uh, Vison about the tells and stuff. So I did bet a lot of money on that one. Um, I don't even know if there's odds out on this one. I don't think there's even. Oh, there is. Am I right? Is is there a judges? I thought there was no. Is there? Oh, it's the. There, old, I think there was. It's the old no exhibition judges, right? thing. It's the old exhibition, exhibition. thing. I mean, anything could happen. Tyson fought Roy Jones, and you know, you thought Tyson won easily, and then it was a draw because just you know. Yeah, you know it's an I mean. it's an exhibition fight on June the sixth. Uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s odds. I just want to point this out because we are a betting show. His uh, his uh, his odds have fallen to minus thirteen hundred. Um, let me just say this. I'm with you. I'm not betting it yet. But if Floyd Mayweather's odds continue to plummet and get into that Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather range, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. your boy's betting it at that point. Let me just say that. Uh, not yet there, though. And uh, we don't have much time for it to get there. And what a uh, what a travesty. Because what a sport and, that was. And more so, such a professional guy. Yeah. I asked him about it. I tried to get it out of him. He, he wouldn't say nothing bad about anyone. He said, no, 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 man. Good for them. Let them make the money. Yeah. He was just a cool dude. Cool dude. Moore seems like he always did seem like the nicest guy in the world, even when he uh, won the heavyweight championship, uh, completely unaffected, at least on the outside. And great for you to get him and, and have such an honest exchange. We'll come back more unscripted with the crack man. And uh, I'll go over the results of uh, my tennis bets that I gave out last night on primetime action. Didn't have him on a numbers game yesterday. Coming off the sweep yesterday. Uh, not quite as good today. I'll let you know what went down there. More with the crack man. It's a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander. The second leg of Triple Crown is this weekend. The Triple Crown, that is. Uh, and first bet is the perfect place to start your betting action. Sign up now and you'll get analysis and wagering on every race with AI-assisted picks, secure payments, attentive customer service, and a reliable website. And to celebrate the Preakness, first bet is giving $20 in free bets for all new users who sign up now through May 15th using the promo code VEGAS20. Also, everyone who redeems this $20 free bet offer will receive full access to VEASAN subscription products for free from now through the Belmont Stakes. Go to VEASAN.com slash horses for details. That's VSIN.com slash horses and use promo code vegas 20 oh the drama surrounding the triple crown you imagine if Medina spirit wins the second leg and then the second test comes back corroborating the first one what a sham what a travis sham mockery that will be um these are my tennis plays so again we swept them yesterday remember we had uh zvonareva as a plus 252 dog that was a winner over kvitova then we had uh Podoroska plus the games against Serena. She won it outright. Then we had Yannick Sinner plus the games yesterday. He covered against the King of Clay, Rafael Nadal. Full sweep yesterday. Uh, I didn't give these out on a numbers game yesterday, but I did give them out on primetime action. We ended up one and two on the tennis picks uh, today, but uh, we hit the Dell bonus on the men's side. He won in straight sets against Ogier Aliasim. But Zvona Raven Podoroska did not get it done a second time. So in the end, what do we end up losing? Less than a unit. 
you know, if you follow a sweep with losing less than a unit, you'll take that every time. By the way, that bottom was not an ML parlay. The bottom was just if you were using legs for a parlay, these are some of the suggestions. Sabalenka didn't get it done. Corey Goff uh, beat her. But one and two on the picks, less than a unit. Um, That's cool. Not the worst thing after a sweep. We'll do more. Uh, But I don't have any right now. By the way, Johnny Ringo tweeting, I have beating the book. If Gil is off for the French, we riot. Thanks for the extra units. A little French Revolution reference, I believe, right there. I'm going to be off for half of the French. So you can half riot. How about that? Uh, And then this one, which is a great question for you and me both, Bill. This is from Bulldog. Bulldog Han 15, he says, hey, uh, Gil, which piece of information is the most important when you bet on any sport? Love the show. Thank you. Thank you. It was very kind of you. Um, it's a great question. And for me, it depends on the sport. When I, when I bet a sport like tennis, 75 80%, I don't know. Ran, I mean, it's a large percentage of this for me is pure data, pure serve and return data on the specific surface. Um, do I watch a whole bunch of tennis too? Yes. So nothing I ever do is a hundred percent analytics, but I really rely on the numbers in tennis because I think that'll get you to glory. There are other sports where I don't rely on analytics as much. And I think that's the thing. Baseball, by the way, is heavy analytics too, but you got to watch baseball. Baseball is not nearly as much analytics as it used to be for me. Let's put it that way because starting pitchers go out so soon. So I guess what I'm saying is there's no static answer for me. It depends on the sport. And I think you have to evolve with the sports. That would be my sort of, uh, I'm sorry that's not like the, the, the home run answer, but that's the truth. I don't know about you, Bill. Yeah, I don't have a home run answer, but, I, you know, we come up with a line the night before, usually, usually even before anyone puts a line up. And if our line is off a certain percentage than the actual line, then that's when we, you know, pounce on it or jump on it. And uh, you're right about analytics, too, because, listen, uh, of course my guys rely on some analytics, but – not like it used to be. And I think analytics, because of movies like Moneyball or whatever it might be, a little bit overblown. The human element, the human factor is very important. Analytics can't show you uh, what someone's thinking mentally, what's going on uh, you know, off the court, what's also maybe putting in the weather factor, which kind of overblown, too. Like wind in football, we talked about this before, means more than anything. People see snow, they want to just bet under. The wind is the biggest factor. So yeah. analytics can't put those kind of things in in there. Now, that's not saying that I'm not uh, going by off analytics, but we have, luckily enough, there's four of us, well, it depends on what sport it is, but there's four of us on certain sports that will actually have the analytics part of it, and then we'll have the human element, the feel of it, and uh, just knowing by, you know, reading socials, reading stuff that you have to catch up to, too. So it's a very good question, and uh, there's yeah. many, many different ways to answer it. So it's, it's depending on what sport. It's like the best said. question. I mean, there's, there's no better question than that. And it really is, you know, again, the, the one thing that I've been privileged uh, to be exposed to over all these years is all different kinds of betters and being able to pick their brains and talk to them. I worked with Dr. Bob, who's like the most you know, algorithm math guy there is. Rufus, obviously, I've observed him at work. They're on one end of the spectrum. They believe in their numbers just sacredly. Um, Then there's smoke and mirrors on the other side of the spectrum. I'm certainly not on that side. But I'm with you in the sense that I don't think either side can be too arrogant about the other. And I've seen both sides be arrogant about the other. Most times, the answer is somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Not necessarily right in the middle. I'm a numbers guy. Don't know if you know that. So I'm going to always be a little bit more on the number side and stuff. I'm going to rely on that to some degree. But, man, let me tell you something. 
If you're not watching, and if you're not paying attention, uh, you're not even, you know, you're not even close to the solution on most of this stuff. So it has to be some alchemy, I believe, of watching the eye test and the numbers behind them. We'll come back more with the Crackman. It's a numbers game at Vison, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. The Preakness is Saturday, and the Vison horse racing experts are analyzing the horses, jockeys, track conditions, starting positions, and prior race results to find the betting edge. Whether you play the horses every week or search the terms exact and trifecta once a year, our team is here to get you ready to make your best bet on the Preakness. Visit vison.com slash horses to find our full race coverage, special offers from our partners and picks from horse racing specialists, including Dave Tooley, Ron Flatter, Jeff Siegel, Millie Ball, and Jeremy Plonk. That's vison.com slash horses. Let me add uh, Chris Felica on the show tomorrow to talk about the Preakness. We'll see if we get Flatter on and Fornital. Second leg of the Triple Crown. Um, should be fun and all the intrigue surrounding. I, I think Peter Fornital, was, who was on the show earlier this week, is right. On a short-term basis, the Baffert scandal has lent a little more interest than we otherwise would have had. So sort of a, uh, a strange uh, result of that. By the way, uh, we get tweets at beating the book. Anthony Teixeira. I like your answer about no one stat is king. Baseball stats can cause paralysis by analysis. Uh, Bruce uh, Dobigan, never asked you, Gil, are you a Bayesian or a Daniel Kahneman probabilist? A a question about which kind of probabilist I am. I'd say Bayesian. Thanks for the question, if you really want to know. BetMGM had their week one odds for the NFL, week one lines, I should say. Um, We talked about DraftKings yesterday because they they first came out on the show. Uh, Here's what... uh, what BetMGM has, and these are pretty much right in line. I see Buffalo's a half point more of a favorite over Pittsburgh. We've got Buffalo at six and a half at BetMGM. Minnesota half point lower than at DraftKings. So Minnesota a three point road dog, a road favorite rather. Pardon me at Cincinnati as opposed to a three and a half point road favorite. Um, let's see. Everything else looks to be in line. Chargers one point favorite on the road at Washington as opposed to one and a half. Um, let's see here. What else? Flip the screen, if you guys would, for the remainder of the week one lines at BetMGM. There you go. Um, Panthers, a four-point favorite over the Jets as opposed to four and a half. So, again, just uh, slight differences. And this is the one that trips me out the most. BetMGM with Jacksonville is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at the Texans. And, by the way, it's justified because the Texans are going to be awful. And again, the Jaguars, first-year coach, first-year quarterback, First-year tight end by the name of Tim Tebow, perhaps. Two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Houston. Houston has some three-and-a-half-season win totals out there. That's how bad they're going to be. And then the rest of them. Chiefs are actually six-point favorites at BetMGM, uh, hosting the Browns. Maybe the marquee matchup of Week 1 as opposed to five-and-a-half. And And, uh, Broncos, two-and-a-half-point favorites at the Giants as opposed to one-and-a-half, which we talked about earlier. And look at that. Ravens. Only a four-and-a-half-point favorite at the Raiders. Remember, we saw as high as six yesterday elsewhere. So BetMGM's lines are such, and obviously the totals as well on your screen at VEASAN.com and if you're watching on the VEASAN app. Bill Krakenberger, of course, unscripted with the Crackman. Uh, Bill, I have a couple questions here for you, uh, and it relates to NFL Week 1 lines and also the horse racing stuff because the Preakness is on Saturday. One, with the NFL Week 1 lines... 
it's a big deal because it comes out and the NFL is king. There's no other sport we love and adore more than football and specifically the NFL. But are you making any first week bets this far out or is it just not how your betting brain works? No, we do sometimes, me and my team, but I haven't, though. I'm more excited for the fans. I don't even know why, but I'm more excited about the schedule. I think it starts right out uh, the first game. I think that's a, it's a, is that a Thursday night game, yep. the opener? Mm-hmm. And it's and I'm more excited for that game, uh, you know, uh, Tampa Bay uh, playing Dallas. Is that right, Dallas? That's correct. Coming in. And, Dak, and Dak is healthy. He's able to play. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I think this will be a fun Opener, uh, it's about six and a half. There's the lineup on the screen there. Six and a half, 51 and a half. At first glance, maybe looks a hair too high. But uh, teams don't like the – it seems to me that uh, we've actually been had some success with teams at the beginning of the season, these these giant totals. I remember last year I did jump on a couple of first-week totals under uh, the big totals and, and uh, actually was successful at them. But I haven't done nothing this year. But I'm more excited for, like, the fans – Opening up that Thursday night, I'll be watching even. That's fun, oh. you know. Super Bowl champs, uh, Brady, Gronk, and 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 Dak, and and uh, that that'll be a, a fun game uh, for someone like myself to watch with, with my buddies. I'm sure. Then we close out that week with the Monday night game, where I actually yesterday already text my buddy who has a box there, and he said, "Yeah, you you can you can uh, you're in, crack." So um, I'm going to be going to that game as, as as long as they still have the same thing there uh, that we're allowed to go to the game. So. Raiders and Ravens on that uh, Monday Night Football there. And look at that. You remember, Gil, when we were younger, the old uh, basic strategy uh, primetime Monday night home dog theory. <laughs> That's <there>. right. <laughs> yes, the old home yeah. dog Monday night theory. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, no. Well, uh, so the, it should be it should be fun though. The yeah. Raiders have done nothing but taken money from the uh, release of this yesterday. So from six to all the way down to four and a half now uh, in favor of the Road Ravens. At the Raiders, and yes, the Legion, uh, at least as of this moment, will be packed. Uh, that opening yeah. Monday night, can't wait for that. After a year of it being empty, imagine opening a new stadium. I mean, like we, it was hard to, you know, we take that for, you know, as like that's what it was right now. But think about that: they opened a brand new, spanking new, beautiful stadium and didn't get to fill it the entire first year. It's just incredible. Well, it's, Unbelievable. It's, yeah. Uh, back to the horse racing stuff for a second, because I never really got your your thoughts on this. You and I, we're very honest. Like, we bet sports. Horses, eh, yeah. you know, it's this kind of thing. Like yeah. I said, most horses I've bet on are still running around the track trying to get to the finish line. Yeah. Um, American Pharaoh being the one exception back in 2015. So here you have this this whole deal. Bob Baffert, uh, Medina Spirit, which who, who won the Kentucky Derby, at least with our eyes, won the Kentucky Derby, but then uh, exceeded the allowed amount of, uh, of an anti-inflammatory. Uh, Bob Baffert doing a song and dance, just absolutely, you know, making one excuse or one explanation after another through two really kind of embarrassing days, quite frankly, for him. Um, And what we have in the end is Medina Spirit is running as of this moment tomorrow, right? And we'll see if, uh, you know, Medina Spirit will win the second leg of the Triple Crown, and we still don't know what's hovering over. But I want to get back to the fact that there were bettors who bet on Mandaloon. And Mandaloon finished second. But if we find out that the second test corroborates the first, and then Mandaloon is actually handed the Kentucky Derby, uh, you know, in the record books as the winner of the Kentucky Derby, this still won't help betters at all who had Mandaloon. No. They're just out of luck. And so I just, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is horse racing, man, is dying already. But, like, 
Does this make you want to even bet it less, I guess, is the question. Yeah, you know, uh, it's another black guy on horse racing. And, you know, it, it's uh, what's his name's career here, too, Bob Baffert. It's actually a shame that the end of his career, that uh, not the end of his career, but I mean, that, that this has to be a, a, a mark on his on his record is a bad thing. You know, he's supposedly a really good trainer his whole life. I really, again, don't really bet too much horse racing. Yeah, nor do I. But I, I guess this makes me even take a double pause before doing it. Though come Saturday, who am I kidding? I'm sure I'll have a bet. That's the uh-huh. that's always the amusing thing about all of this. Uh, more with the crack man unscripted coming back on a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander. Baseball players may not, may not get, I should say, style points for home runs, but baseball betters, they show do. New BetMGM customers could turn $1 into 100 When someone goes yard during a game, sign up for BetMGM uh, with their app using VSIN 100. And if you place a $1 money line wager on the Cardinals or Brewers, you'll get $100 if either team hits a homer. New customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly if you have a gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee red line. 800-889-9789. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Uh, a lot of people still asking me about, what was that docu? What was that docu-series you recommended? Generation Hustle. Generation Hustle. So good. Uh, again, it's about uh, it's about scammers, and in so many different walks of life, it's ten parts, ten different stories, the first three of which, in three different ways, are just spectacular. That'll get you hooked. Generation Hustle, for everybody who's been asking uh, on Twitter. I appreciate the questions. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Okay, we have a tweet from John Ewing. John Ewing uh, over uh, there saying, courtesy of, uh, these are the most bet games per ticket count so far in week one. Titans, Cardinals, Chiefs, Browns, Jets, Panthers over at BetMGM. Titans, Cardinals, Chiefs, Browns, Jets, Panthers, the most bet games per ticket count so far. And we already uh, went through all the line movement there. Um, Minnesota from two and a half to three. San Francisco from seven to seven and a half. This is at BetMGM. Jacksonville from one and a half to two and a half at Denver, excuse me, at uh, Houston. KC to six from five and a half, hosting the Browns. New England to two and a half now from two, hosting the Dolphins. Chargers from plus one to minus one at Washington. How dare people. Jets at four and a half, down to uh, four now. So a little Jets money at Carolina. And then as we mentioned, the uh, Raiders from five and a half, uh, point dogs to four and a half. Raiders taking money. So thank you, John Ewing, for that. Bill Krakenberger is here, everybody. What's on your mind, man? Uh, a couple things. Well, thank you to Philly Salvati for telling me that it was closed circuit. That's right. That was the old term when you go to watch a, a fight 
uh, you know, you, you went to a closed circuit event, and that was very popular before the pay per view and stuff. Isn't, and, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? I saw Tyson Spinks at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. I saw Hagler Leonard at the Garden in Boston. Like, if you tell people that today, like, what you went to an arena to watch these fights? Yes, yes we did. That's how we and had they go. were packed. Yes, packed up. That's yeah. right. I actually went to Tyson Spinks was at Trump. Uh, Trump Plaza in Atlantic City. I went to Tyson Spinks. I went to Tyson Holmes. Uh, these were fast fights. Of course, the Tyson Spinks one, uh, I think it was 90, 90, 91 seconds. 91 seconds, <laughs> which was not even his fastest fight. Marvis Frazier, under 30 seconds. Yeah, and I remember, yeah. though, he uh, he picked up $10 million for that fight, Spinks, and uh, it was just a quick quick $10 million bucks. So that was uh, very interesting. One, one, of the great, uh, one of the great post-fight interviews, Rick Doc Walker, uh, former Washington football teamer, was a... Uh, intrepid young reporter after his football career and he uh, went up to michael spinks after the fight spinks was walking away had already dressed up showered and dressed up was walking away and uh and rick doc walker asked him michael what was the turning point of the fight and spinks looks at him does a double take said turning point of the fight turning point of the fight's 91 seconds right turning point of the fight. i got hit in the wrist hit in the head turning point of the fight what are you talking about 91 <laughs> seconds was the turning oh, point man. of the fight stop it oh one more tweet I want to respond to. Tony Bazart, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Uh, Bill, come on, man. If you make $40 million, do you really need a pension? Well, uh, if you listen to what I said, Tony, uh, you know, this gentleman made that kind of money. But then again, he got about 12% of whatever he made because of all the uh, money that was taken from him, just like a lot of the fighters back then. Now, granted, I agree, though. So in the end, he still had, you know, five million bucks back in 1994, 95. He admits that, though. He says, listen, I made this. And, and by the way, I've been with Michael about four or five times in life. I've been with him in, a, uh, you know, a couple different uh, venues. And he flew up to see Teddy getting inducted in the uh, Hall of Fame up in New York, upstate New York. He comes to the dinner every year. I've been with him at Foxwoods in, uh, or no, was, yeah, Foxwoods in Connecticut. Uh, he's a very giving guy, very nice guy, very humble guy now. I mean, not that he always wasn't. He's a really, just a real good guy, uh, giving away a lot of his money. And I'm not saying he takes responsibility, too. Yeah. He should have money left. All I was saying was these other sports, like let's use Allen Iverson. I remember seeing a special on him. He made like hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and you know, if he didn't have that pension or someone put like a million dollars away of one of his friends for him in a big investment overseas or something where he does make money today and he has some money to live on, but uh, nothing like he should too. So I'm not saying that, that no, no, you're right. $40 million is a lot of money. And even Michael Moore himself admits that he should definitely have money left. And it's, it's just a real good podcast to, to watch. And, and uh, just thinking about it, though, uh, you know, this, this is he's not alone. There's a, he talks about other guys, not just him. He mentioned all, all different people that should have money today and don't. Oh, I mean, uh, I mentioned- mean, listen, sports is, is littered with them, right? Antoine Walker, famously, one hundred thirty two million dollars all gone, you know, uh, especially NBA. Yeah. Yep. But, but, you know, guys like uh, Tory Hunter, former uh, all star with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, he actually said, like, one of the biggest things is there should be post-career uh, financial education for athletes with all this money because, you know, a lot of them falls, you know, succumb to sexier investments like restaurants and nightclubs and things that are not more conservative investments. So, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing that plays. Michael Moore certainly, I guess is what I'm saying, is not the first or last to succumb to this. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
let's talk about BetFest this weekend. I don't know if you can talk about that yet. Please. Uh, BetFest, I'm, I'm speaking on, uh, on BetFest uh, with Warren Sharp and a, a plethora, i use that name again, that word again, uh, Wayne Kimmel, of course, who's the managing partner of 76 Capital. And there's a ton of different guys in there. Ed, Ed, uh, Ed Miller, who I believe has been on the show plenty of times. Yep. Uh, and all different personalities from across the sports betting and the uh, the, 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 the corporations themselves. Jay Rude is going to be on. Um, so basically, uh, all numbers on this panel is what I'm getting. Yeah, Matthew Matthew Holt. Yes, uh, which is one of you, uh, Bob Scucci, but I, I don't know what Bob can tell me about maybe why I'm uh, thrown out and limited to ten dollars. But anyway, oh uh, Kenny, Kenny White. Yes. Uh, this, so it's a lot of good, a lot of good. Uh, a lot of interesting guys on on this panel. I look forward to to uh, being on. And where is and, it? Uh, are you doing it virtually, or is it? Or are you going it's, somewhere? It's virtual. Okay. Uh, no, it's 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 virtual. And it, by the way, I only mentioned five guys. I think there's 20 guys on this uh, this uh, um, this thing. Rufus Peabody. A lot of a lot of sports betters too are on there. Captain Jack. There's a lot of sports betters are going to be on this panel also. Uh, Nick Costas is. You know, I was always a fun guy. I'm, I'm on that show sometimes. It's fun. It, it should be really cool, really uh, a good experience. I've tweeted about it, and others have too. So that should be a really fun uh, thing this weekend. It's on, are, on Saturday. What are the details? How does one access that? Uh, you can buy tickets. You can go to BetFest Live, I think it is. Let me get the site. Okay. Bet, yep, that's it. Best Fet, BetFestLive.com. And uh, it's on my Twitter page. It'll be on again. And I'm sure it's on a lot of different people's uh, Twitter page. And uh, it should be, it's the first one. It should be a nice gathering of people. We'll see what happens there. There's going to be plenty of free tickets, too. I think I just didn't tweet mine out. I have some free tickets, too. I'll tweet out. And I say free tickets. It's 20 bucks uh, for, for the access. But I think, uh, like I said, we have, we, we're going to have some free tickets also up there. So it should be fun. It should be a fun time. And, uh, uh, you know, listen, we, we love Wayne Kimmel. And, um you know, he, he put this thing together. He's one of the guys on there anyway. So Very nice. It should be a fun. BetFest, yeah. Saturday, 12 Bet to 5 Fest. Eastern. Empowering yeah. sports bettors. Featuring yeah. Bill Krakenberger yeah. as well. All right, cool. Uh, Generation Hustle. Someone just asked me, what is it? I don't know. You tell us. Generation Where's Hustle. That I had I had recommended. I have One of the things that I do in a numbers game throughout time is recommend documentaries. That's kind of my thing, right? right. Or docu-series. And so that was one that I recommended a couple weeks ago. And people keep asking me on Twitter, what was that last one you were? Generation Hustle. It's about uh, scammers, essentially, in yep. different walks of life. So from... You know, a kid who has, you know, come up with all these Instagram scams, right? Yeah. Uh, to uh, to a guy who was the CEO of a company called WeWork, which scammed investors, or one scam is my word, yeah. perhaps that's not the right word to use. Sure. But in other words, um, it was a it was a house of cards. Uh, just just it's a reflection of the human condition, right? How how not only the people that are, you know, front and center of the the matter, but those that succumb to the promise of what this person is doing in some cases or fall victim in some cases. And really, it's a, it's a question about the human condition of, I think, like at what point are these, are these people sociopaths? At what point do they just fall too far into a hole and then can't get out of it? And so they have to keep perpetrating the fraud, if you will, to use the old hip hop hip hop term. Uh, but it's Generation Hustle, Get Rich or Lie Trying. It's on HBO Max. I can't recommend it enough. There's no sports betting tie-in other than uh, what I would say is always look for tells, as you and I talked about a couple yeah. weeks back. 
always look for tells because that you got to trust your instincts on stuff like that. Hey, Gil, I tweeted before we go off air. I tweeted something about going to Caesars for breakfast at their cafe there, which is the only place to eat breakfast there, by the way. Uh, sit down and eat. And uh, it was steak and eggs was only $40, $49. So it was, uh, you know, $49 steak and eggs. And, and, and the place is just really uh, outrageously priced. So also, when, when after the $49 steak and eggs, you get hit with an RRF fee, which is a restaurant oh, recovery fund. I've noticed and this. Now, yes. And, and, and and I actually went to Mastro's over at, which I love Mastro's, right, right, right over there where you live. Mm -hmm. I went to Mastro's at the Crystal's Mall the other night, and we were hit with a nice bread fee of three dollars. Oh that was kind of interesting, dude. Yeah, yeah. The These restaurants. The bread fee. Shakedown. The old bread fee shakedown. Since you bring yeah. up bread, let me just say this, because <laughs> this might be the most important thing I've said on this show: the finest bread in all of Las Vegas at Bavette's at Park MGM. You will Ooh. die from the bread. All it right. is spectacular. <laughs> Give me a bread free all you want at Bavette's for the bread. I'll end awesome. it with that. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate it as always. <laughs> Thank you. Bill Krakenberg, you can follow him on Twitter at Bill Crackman with a K. Right here on the Numbers Game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Good luck with all your bets tonight. Lombardi Line next right here at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.